Hello, and welcome to Safe Harbor Hours. My name is Mason, and I hope you enjoyed that royalty-free introduction to the podcast. You can find that clip wherever royalty-free music is sold, or more appropriately, wherever it's distributed, because if it was being sold, then it wouldn't be royalty-free. Right, right. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about supporting bands and venues in an era of social distancing. But first, I think a proper introduction is in order. And I was not originally going to do this, um, but then I recorded this whole episode and then it ended up being a lot shorter than I wanted it to be, or not a lot shorter, but shorter enough to where I think that it's worth adding a proper introduction. Um, And I think that this will be everyone's first introduction to what I'm trying to do here. So it's probably worth spelling out in words a little bit. Um, So title of the program is Safe Harbor Hours, and I'm sure a lot of folks are curious about where that came from. So my background is in college radio, which I did for four years. Um, I did music directing for two years and was a DJ for four years and then worked for a public radio station for a summer after that. And Safe Harbor Hours refers to the hours of 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., which is when the FCC rules that you can play things that are obscene or indecent or more specifically on the flip side you can't play things that are deemed obscene or indecent or profane outside of the hours of 10 p.m and 6 a.m and so this is a really controversial topic within the world of college radio because there's a very clear set of penalties in place for college radio stations and radio stations in general who violate this policy or violate this law Um, And so the whole outline of what is considered indecent or profane is very poorly defined and very vaguely defined um, and has continued to be that way even as people have pressed for more clarity. But the impacts of violating that sort of policy are very clear. Um, And so the whole aspect of this being called Safe Harbor Hours is kind of a reference to the fact that I don't want to be pigeonholed into talking about one specific genre of music or type of music or section of the music industry or anything like that. I'm interested in the music industry. I'm interested in different genres of music. I like album reviews. I like discography dives and things like that. And so um, I am trying to make diversity kind of a selling point or at least diversity in material being covered on this program, a selling point. Um, And that is kind of what ties back to the name. If you were expecting this to be like the Howard Stern show or something where I'm just really, really profane for like no reason, I'm sorry. Um, you might be barking up the wrong tree. Um, And if you think that the name sucks, I'm also sorry. But there are a lot of really cool things that have names that suck. I mean, I don't know if you've listened to The World is a Beautiful Place and I'm No Longer Afraid to Die before, but they're pretty cool and their name is not the best. And honestly, thinking about a podcast name is actually really hard because a lot of things are taken um, and you have like three words to describe a whole big program or thing that you're trying to do. Um, And so this was just going to sit in purgatory forever until I just picked something. So uh, here we go. I hope you enjoy this program. Um, We're going to jump into talking about supporting bands and venues in an era of social distancing now. Uh, I was originally also going to say that this program isn't sponsored, and then my friend Rob Venmoed me uh, right before I decided to start this podcast. Uh, It's much appreciated in my first donation. Rob lives in New York and runs a record label called Hidden Home Records. I would really recommend checking it out. There are a lot of really awesome bands signed to it, and Rob is a very hardworking stand-up guy. Uh, You can follow him on Instagram at Robalicious, and I think that's his Twitter handle too. So uh, go follow him and tell him that you appreciate him supporting this program. 
So let's start off with the story. Uh, it was March 10th, 2020, and there I was going to see the band Pup, who I really, really, really like, um, with Screaming Females at the Roseland Theater in downtown Portland. And it was a Tuesday night, and I was kind of tired. Um, going to shows on like a Sunday or a Monday or Tuesday night can just be kind of a drag when you have a regular eight to five job or something, as I'm sure anyone who struggles with doing that sort of thing knows. Um, it can just really throw off your week or something or like throw off your next day. And so, uh, I don't know, I'm having a harder time justifying it now than I used to, but I, it was very worth it in this case because I went and I had a really, really good time and I got to get pushed up a bunch against people and the band was really awesome and they were cracking all these really funny jokes. Uh, and I had a great time and I did not realize it when I was at the show itself that that was going to be the last show that I would see for a very, very long time because coronavirus was starting to make its way into Oregon and there had been like a couple of confirmed cases and then as everybody else knows things just went from zero to 100 in like a two-week time span um, and here we are now everything's shut down uh, I'm not going to dwell on setting up this whole big uh, setting of uh, everything was shut down and no shows were happening or anything like that because everyone's well aware at this point uh, there are no large gatherings now um, and as we're still grappling with trying to reopen the United States in any sort of capacity and keeping social distancing protocols in place and things like that. It's going to be a while before shows come back, like a very long time. Um, the governor of Oregon has said that there won't be any large gatherings, i.e. shows, um, until September at the earliest, unless significant progress is made against the virus, which... A, I don't know how you would define significant progress at this point, and B, I, I am not overly optimistic that significant progress will be made within the next month or so. So uh, I have tickets to see me without you and Joyce Manor, and those both got rescheduled to July and August, respectively, and I think that both will just get canceled again, or postponed more appropriately is the term, but... Um, yeah, a lot of folks in the music industry have floated the idea that shows won't be coming back until summer 2021, which I really hope that it is not that long, but I'm mentally preparing myself for it to be that long, and I think that it is wiser to mentally prepare yourself for the fact that it's probably going to be a long time than to be overly optimistic about what could happen. Um, and outside of that, I don't. I just. I don't know what shows would even be like if we were trying to maintain social distancing. Uh, I have these visions of venues being half open and everyone having a six foot box around them, and then if it's a metal band or something, everyone's like two stepping in place. Uh, and for kids who like to hardcore dance or whatever, where they're like flailing their elbows around, that's probably a dream come true. But for most of us, I think they'd just be really, really weird. Um, and then I also think about like metal bands being like, make a wall of death and run at each other. And if you don't know what a wall of death mosh pit is, it's like people go to opposite sides of the floor. And then there's this whole big like drumming setup kind of thing going on. And then a dude wearing like a band t-shirt with the sleeves ripped off is like, go. And then people run at each other. And then it looks like it's going to be this whole big intense thing. But then everyone like puts their hands up and kind of like slows down. It's usually just... Uh, I don't know, like gentle or like more gentle than you expect it to be. I don't know. This is tangential. It's going to be a while before shows come back. And that's kind of the main point of this tangent. But let's talk about how this affects artists. And let's talk about how this affects venues and labels. Uh, where do artists fall in all of this? So this is in the context of the United States. Uh, the United States has kind of a mediocre social safety net in comparison to a lot of other countries. Um, and so if you were in Canada, 
or in Europe, you're probably experiencing something different than what American musicians are facing. But in the United States, musicians are considered gig workers. Um, this is problematic for a variety of reasons. Um, so gig worker implies self-employed. So you have a 1099. You um, aren't eligible for unemployment in a lot of cases or in most normal circumstances. And uh, health insurance is a really big pain and taxes are a weird big pain as well. Uh, it's a really convoluted system. But um, that being said, some relief was passed for musicians in the COVID-19 stimulus um, as uh, not just musicians, I mean, for people who are gig workers who, who, who fall into this category. So that includes uh, Uber drivers and uh, hairstylists and things like that, too. And so there was some short-term relief. I don't think anyone knows what the future is going to look like for employer employees within that sector. Um, but this is difficult because touring is still a primary source of income for most full-time musicians. And not only that, but there are a bunch of other people involved in making live shows happen. You have musicians, you have people running sound, you have people running lights, you have venues in general, which we'll talk more about here in just a moment. Um, and there's just a lot of people who depend on this sort of industry for an income. And Honestly, I actually predict that mid-level musicians are going to feel the squeeze from this the most. Uh, if you're Metallica or something, you're fine. Um, and if you are in a really small independent band, you probably aren't doing that for like a full-time source of income or anything like that either. You probably have like another job or something, which isn't to say that um, those people haven't been adversely affected by this from an economic standpoint either. But there is something else that a lot of folks like that do that doesn't necessarily just involve uh, deriving income from going on tour. And so I think the bands that will be hurt the most from this are the kinds of bands who go on like a few tours a year and they're usually really big and they're playing like 1500 cap venues or something like that, where you make enough from a tour to not have to have a day job when you go back home. But, um, all of that or like a substantial or most of your income is coming from going on tour. And so, um, I don't want to dwell too much on the negative because people are fairly aware that this is just a really bad economic climate climate to be in regardless of whether or not you're a musician right now but especially if you are a musician and so i think the best thing to do is to pivot the conversation in terms of how you can support artists and venues and bands and labels at this point because a lot of folks take these sorts of things for granted or so i'm realizing or i guess this is a thing that i think about a lot but there are so many moving parts in the music industry or in content creation where it's there. It's, there's just so much between the point where somebody picks up a guitar, gets on their computer uh, and starts writing a song. There's so many steps between that point and the point where it's on Spotify or whatever you're using to listen to music and it's coming into your ears. Um, there are a lot of people involved in that process and it's a, it's a lot of hard work, especially from the standpoint that it pays pretty terribly. If something like this happens, you're in a really, really bad spot. Um, and it's just not something to take for granted because I think that art and music in general is so enriching to people's lives. And it's definitely enriching to my life. I mean, I'm here making a podcast about music because I care about it so much. Um, and so we have a tendency to take those sorts of things for granted. And I think that it is important in a time like this to consider the fact that we should be doing our part to support the musicians who add so much to our life or uh, doing our part to support venues that give us a space to go and see bands that we care about. And not only to see bands that we care about, but also create a community of people who are able to 
kind of bond over not only music, but also so many of the ideas surrounding music. And I say this as somebody who grew up going to really small shows. There was a 300 cap venue in Boise called the Boise Venue, which has been gone since 2012, I think. And I made a lot of lasting friendships there. In fact, that's where I met Rob, who now lives in New York, who Venmoed me $10 before I started recording this podcast. Um, And so I think about the fact that these are such big community staples. And honestly, that was such a positive thing that I had growing up was an all ages venue that I could go to. Uh, And of all of the delinquent things that I did as a youth, I would say all all of the least delinquent things that I did were things involving music and going to shows and stuff. And I was always way more into the idea of going and seeing a band on Friday night uh, for like $8 or whatever than I was to like going to high school parties or doing something like that. And so the significance of the extent to which venues benefit communities that they're in is not to be understated. And people forget about this. And it's really unfortunate that venues in so many cities just struggle to stay open because commercial rent is so expensive for spaces like that, especially as a lot of the hot music cities like Seattle and San Francisco uh, have just kind of seen and withstood endless amounts of gentrification and rent increases and things like that. And it's just harder and harder for places like this to stay open. Um, and so it's that's a big reason why I think it's important to be talking about what we can be doing right now. And so uh, it's obvious that there's a lot that we can be doing in terms of giving money. And I'll talk about things like that in a in a moment. But I think it's also important to consider what we can be doing that is free, because there is a lot that you can do to support bands and venues and labels and artists uh, right now that does not cost money. Um, and a lot of it just comes down to sharing what you're listening to and talking to your friends about music and doing things like that. Uh, I see a lot of folks who will do things like post whatever song they're listening to on uh, Instagram, or you have Spotify showing what you're listening to on the sidebar and other people can kind of see that. And while people, I think, have a tendency to think that this can be trivial in a lot of cases, I think that it can uh, be a part of this broader series of actions where somebody sees a band show up on their related artists on Spotify or something, or they see their friend listening to them and they don't necessarily think anything about it at first. But when you come to see the same artist's name a few times and you can see that it's showing up on your uh, related artists to whatever you're listening to, and then you see that your friends listening to it, or you see that two of your friends are listening to it, your likelihood of checking out that artist or band seems to be greatly increased. And so doing anything to promote artists that you're listening to in the sense that other people can just see their name and see their album. I think that that does a lot. And so if you were wondering what you can do to support, just use your voice, uh, talk about the music that you're listening to. Don't be afraid or ashamed to promote the art that enriches your life so much to people who follow you on those sorts of platforms, especially if it's small and independent bands that you're listening to. If you're listening to like Beyonce or something or like the 1975, then Maybe there's a little bit less of an immediate benefit to doing that sort of thing, but um, I, I think it's just a nice and cool thing to do regardless, and who doesn't love to talk about music with their friends? So that's a really small thing that you can do, and another thing that is important to consider that also does not cost any money is to write or call your members of Congress, and I know that a lot of people are eye-rolling as I say that as if their congressional leaders have ever listened to them. Um, But seriously, this is in order to save a lot of these venues that is going to take some sort of like broader legislative action. And I think that while it is 
cool and important and helpful in a lot of ways to donate 10 or $25 or something to something that you care about when it comes to venues. If, it, if we really are in this for the long haul and it's really going to be a year or more before we get to go to shows again, venues are just not going to survive. Like put simply, it's just not going to happen. Venues are really, really expensive to keep open. And most venues are not just venues. They're usually bars as well. Uh, and bars are also open not, or are also not open right now. And it will probably be a while before we see a regular reopening of establishments like that. And I mean, there are restaurants too, and there's some money coming from food sales, I'm sure. But when you look at the overall like cost of running a venue, the margins are slim. And so I think supporting the notion or at least adding your voice to a sea of voices calling for relief for venues is a really important thing to do right now. And I can't, I've already mentioned that I think that venues are super important for the communities that they're in, but that's just such a fixture of living in a city to me is feeling like I can go to venues and experience art or music or anything like that, or like culture in general and feeling like I have a space where I can go and experience those things because that's kind of what is beautiful about living in a city. So many people, or at least so many people that I have had conversations with, especially being a person who's from Idaho originally and where it's really rural and people love being outside all the time. It's like, why would you want to live in a place where your rent costs four digits and they're is people throwing tires in the street outside of your apartment and trains and sirens in the middle of the night and a lot worse air pollution and traffic and stuff like that. And so much of it is because venues exist and are anchored in major cities and you get to just experience so much as a result of them being there. And so seriously, call your members of Congress, uh, do what you can to share or retweet or uh, just promote the idea that maybe there should be rent assistance or something like that for the venues that do so much to improve our lives. And, um, uh, the, a place where you can go to learn a little bit more about this is there is a post that was recently made on Portland Mercury. And this is all in the context of Portland because I live here, obviously. Um, but there's a guest editorial called save our music venues, save our souls. Um, you can find it pretty easily by Googling it. Um, but it was co-written by, uh, the co-owner, or it was written by the co-owner of Mississippi Studios and Revolution Hall, which are two really awesome venues in North Portland. Um, and it goes into detail about some of the legislative things that are starting to cook right now um, and talking about kind of what needs to happen in order for venues to stay open and what needs to happen in order for venues to be supported. Uh, the number one thing that it recommends is writing letters to your representatives in bold in bold letters letters in bold words letters do matter um that is quite the tongue twister um and then it also mentions visiting your favorite venues website and seeing what they need and then also visiting the independent venue coalition website um and it just it includes some other tips and things like that if you're interested again you can find it on portland mercury it's called save our music venues save our souls if you look it up you should be able to find it pretty immediately um, but there's going to be a need for a lot of broader legislative action and adding your voice in support of that sort of thing is really valuable at a time like this. And it's free. So if you are looking for suggestions on what to do that's not free, let's chat about Bandcamp. Uh, if you're not familiar with Bandcamp, it's an online music platform. Uh, it's used by a lot of artists. They have a really huge catalog on there. Um, they 
usually it's a really great way to support artists directly. Bandcamp usually takes 10, 15% of proceeds, um, which I think is a very reasonable amount to be taking in order to uh, address the costs associated with running a website like that. But they are also doing a once a month uh, promotion across the next few months where uh, the first Friday of each month, they waive their commission and pass 100% of proceeds to artists and their labels. So if you buy an album for $10 on Bandcamp on one of those days, then 100% of the money that you spend on it goes to the artist and label. And I know that buying music is not a cool thing to do right now and that everyone has access to music uh, just like with the click of a button, basically, because streaming is hot right now. And I am not knocking streaming at all. I have Spotify premium and I think it's awesome, but this can be one of the best ways to directly support an artist. And I will definitely be picking up a few things next time they run this promotion. And another thing to consider is the fact that labels are important as well. Um, and I, I feel like labels get kind of a bad connotation associated with them because, uh, people assume that it's this whole like big scheme where uh, band a has a label and at the label er, they show up and they've got this cool punk album and then they go to this like big office uh, and then everyone's like sitting there wearing a suit and they just want to like keep 90% of the money that gets made from the album um, and things like that. I, and I mean, I think that does happen sometimes. I, there's been a lot of fallout with, I don't know if I want to name names, but that, I mean, that sort of thing does happen, but it's really important to consider the extent to which independent record labels and DIY labels are a real fixture for smaller artists and are also so important for handling a lot of the legwork involved in promotion and marketing and recording and things like that. And a lot of bands just would not be able to operate at the scale that they operate at if it weren't for vet labels. Um, and a lot of the time those are being run by people who are pretty broke too. And people who stay up all night shoving paper boxes full of vinyl records to sell out to mail for pre-orders and things like that. And that's a lot of hard work as well. And so supporting people who are being impacted in that regard is really important as well. So do the band camp promotion. All of your money will be going to a good place. If you, uh, this is obviously assuming that you have expendable income and I don't want to make anyone feel bad if they don't have expendable income right now because being able to spend 10 or $15 supporting your favorite artist is definitely a privilege in this day and age, um, especially given the economic impact of the whole pandemic and how that's affected different people differently. So absolutely no shame to you if this isn't something that you can do. But the next two days that Bandcamp will be doing this where they waive commission is June 5th and July 3rd. And so I'll definitely be picking some stuff up. Um, if you were going to go this route, I would really suggest going on the day before or a few days before and then adding the music that you want to buy to your cart. And then the day that the actual promotion happens, just go and click checkout because I tried to do this last time Bandcamp ran this and the site was being slowed to a crawl because the server traffic was so high and uh, it was it was just impossible. So I will be prepared this next time uh, and I will act accordingly, but that would be my recommendation. And so Again, if you want to put money directly in your favorite artist's pocket, that's a really great way to do it. Um, in terms of things that I'm planning on picking up next time Bandcamp does this, I will probably grab an album from Gouge Away, who are 
Florid, a Floridian hardcore slash punk band that's really awesome. They have a really great message, and I have had the opportunity to see them a few times with bands like Drug Church and Touche Amore um, and Law Dispute, and they're always really, really cool. They're kind of like seem to be a love them or hate them kind of bands, but I love them, and I hope that you do too. Um, and then also maybe something from King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, who have a name that never gets tiring to say and are also super prolific in releasing music. I, they've put out so many albums. It seems like they put out an album like once a year, just something ridiculous like that. And they're always so experimental and cool and genre defining that. Uh, I just have a lot of respect for them as musicians. And I think that they're a great band to support just for the sake of the scale at which they do things. And so um, that's another one. And then I'm not really sure what else I'm going to have to poke around. Maybe something from Run For Cover Records or 6131 or another label like that that I really like or Death Wish. Um, if you have any recommendations, send them my way um, and I will take a look. But yeah, those are a couple of things. And so moving on, other things that you can do to support artists right now. You can buy merch online or other items. Who doesn't need a cool new tote bag right now or like a t-shirt or something or uh, I see bands getting creative, making like really cool shorts and stuff. And uh, there's like a whole nother podcast that I could be making about this. But a lot of bands seem to more and more want seem to want to be both fashion lines and bands at the same time. And so I'm seeing a lot more attention to design and things like that um, nowadays. And so if you're looking for something that looks cool, that supports a band that you really like, take a look. Um, and then there's also a lot in terms of direct donation platforms. So I know that Hawthorne Theater in Portland has done this. And I think that a few other venues have done this as well. Um, I think like Doug Fur has done this and maybe like Bossa Nova Ballroom and probably ones that I'm forgetting as well. But a lot of venues have done like crew fund, GoFundMes and things like that where you can go and just put money directly into it and they give it to their staff who are not working at the moment. Um, and that can just be a really great way to just put money directly into the hands of people who need it, who work really hard in uh, making sure that events run in a, a safe, sustainable manner. And so I uh, definitely recommend checking those out. If you have a favorite venue or something like that, there's a chance that it might have something like that. Or honestly, you can just go to the venue website and there's probably a statement on it about what they need or something like that. It's obviously overwhelming to think about just the number of artists and venues and things like that that could be using this sort of assistance. But um, it's anything that you can do is helping someone else. And I think that is a, an important thing to consider. And then outside of that, there's also um, Patreon, which a lot of bands have kind of been on the Patreon thing for a while. If you're not familiar with Patreon, you pay some money every month and then you get access to all of these exclusive things. So a lot of the time that'll be like signed lyrics or like exclusive AMAs or uh, early released music. Um, and I'm seeing that becoming a more and more popular thing, which I think is really cool. Um, though I have a weird feeling about it because I worry about or not worry, but I guess I think about the fact that you kind of have to play favorites with a system like that, or it seems like you do. It's like, how many Patreons is it sustainable for a person to be a part of? Like, if you have 10 bands that you really like that all have Patreons, how do you decide which ones you give money to? And uh, just things like that. I don't know. I, I wish that there was a way to just 
put a lump sum somewhere and have it just be distributed amongst bands that I really like, but that's just an idea that exists in my head. And then there's also live streams and things like that that you can tip during. So Stage It, I know, is one website where bands are doing acoustic live streams, and then I'm seeing stuff like that on Instagram and other platforms as well. And so uh, things like that exist too and are really cool to just kick a few dollars towards in any at, at, at any rate I, you just going through the process of supporting your favorite band listening to their music telling your friends about it is a great way to support but if you have the financial capability to do it at the moment i cannot express the importance enough of supporting the bands and labels and venues that s- enrich our lives so much um, and i'll definitely be doing my part or trying to do my part to ease some of the impact that a lot of these folks are feeling but Regardless, that is mostly all that I have for now. Um, There will be another episode coming soon that will not be about COVID-19, and hopefully it will bum you out a lot less than thinking about economic devastation and existing in a pandemic and not going to shows for like a year. But one day we'll all be back together, uh, bumping up against each other in big nasty mosh pits and breathing on each other without being worried about it. Um, And until that day comes... Uh, I hope that you stay safe and keep the people that you love close to you, wear a mask when you go to the grocery store, and do your part to stop the spread. In other words, stay home, listen to podcasts like this. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.